Okay, cool. We are live. Today I'm joined by Jeremy Epson, who is the founder of Conversion Guides. Super excited for this one because I know not much about CRO and experimentation. Jeremy, welcome. Why don't you give us a quick background on who you are and also some of your experience in e-commerce to date? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Yes, pumped to be here. So um, yeah, I run Conversion Guides. Um, it's a consulting firm that helps uh, startups focus on conversion rate optimization, customer journey mapping, customer and market research. Um, and we also do these CRO maturity assessments where we actually assess CRO programs and like help launch them or fix them. Um, and that's where a lot of these insights actually come from. So, um, you know, I've been doing CRO for 13 years, um, which sounds crazy at this point. <laughs> um, and we've just seen a lot. We've literally worked with 155 businesses. So um, you kind of see the same issues over and over and over again that are causing CRO programs to underperform. And, you know, that's my passion is like helping people avoid some of those issues that is like causing their business to grow slower than it otherwise would, causing the CRO to underperform or sometimes fail. Um, so, yeah, that's a kind of quick intro <laughs> and and i've seen something interesting actually i wanted to ask you about because i've seen you say that some people offer cro services but you've completely dedicated the last 13 years to it why do you think it's so important to like niche down and specialize to such an extent do you think it's impossible to like be a master at the craft if you're doing like all these additional services yeah, that's a big debate, I guess, probably in the industry, right? Like my personal take is that CRO is so complex as it is already that do you want to split your focus across managing channels, you know, managing email, like doing different things? Um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to double and triple down on just CRO. And that's why I've spent so much time just focusing on it. I haven't done anything in like search in so long that social wasn't a thing then. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think focus is really important and learning how to deal with cross-functional teams, which is a big aspect of CRO, takes a lot of energy, time, effort, like process. And, you know, that that's really what I've dedicated myself to is like, how do you build CRO programs more than anything else? Love it. So let's talk about um, some of the fundamentals then of CRO and experimentation. Do you want to like differentiate it between these two terms? Like are they intrinsically linked together? And what are the fundamentals of a successful CRO or an experimentation program? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the battle over the naming convention of what this is <laughs> rages on. So uh, I don't know that that's going to stop anytime soon. I even like regularly have debates with other people I like in the industry about this, but um, we're all getting at the same thing, right? Like how do we grow businesses incrementally based on understanding the customer journey and then optimizing across that? That's, that's really the focus for everyone, right? So like there's different ways to approach that and different opinions about it, but Whatever you call it, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and I think that's the important thing. As far as like the, the fundamentals, um, really uh, like the book that I'm working on right now is about six principles, six principles that help basically build the foundation for a strong CRO program that you could get ramped up and as little as 90 days that will help increase your probability of success. Essentially, and it comes down to a couple things. So we've observed this, like I said, from hundreds of different businesses. And we've seen what what businesses that grow exponentially faster doing. And we see businesses that are failing. We see businesses that struggle. There's different levels, right? So 
what it really comes down to is like principle one is being strategically lined on your business goals. Are we clear on what our goals are? Do we, are we aligned across teams on what those are? Um, do we have the right people in place? Um, are we agreed on the philosophy? If you don't have some of those core things in place, then you're in big trouble, right? Because those are the biggest issues that, and roadblocks that, that we've seen cause uh, CRO programs to underperform. Um, the second is the philosophy of being customer focused. Are people actually bought in across the organization of we want to be data driven, we want to be customer focused, like that's something you can assess and get an understanding of. Uh, but that leads us into principle three, which is the actual customer research methodology. So, you know, everybody says they want to be customer focused and data driven, but there's not a lot of like content and information on like, how do you actually do that on a day to day yep. basis, you know? And I think that's where the problems exist, right? Like everybody in the industry wants to be data-driven, but without the processes, um, you're stuck, right? And like, that's a lot of what I focus on is like, how do we put those pieces in place to make it easier for teams to do that? Um, we believe in scientific testing. That's the fourth principle. So like test everything, um, get insights, uh, measurable improvements. Uh, high velocity testing is number five. So it's essentially like, we've been able to draw a pretty positive correlation between increasing testing velocity and increasing revenue growth. Those things are tied together. There may be a diminishing return um, at some point, but most businesses are not there. So it's not something you have to worry about. And then the output of all of that is principle six, which is um, establishing a culture of growth. So transform. there's a transformative aspect of working through this process that, that has a halo effect. It like changes how people in the business think. It changes your process. It changes workflows and communication. Um, it, it essentially just transforms the business and sets you up for success to be able to grow rapidly. Love it. Good stuff. Um, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into two principles. I think that just the big areas of discussion right now and the next one, or sorry, the first one is talking about that 360 degree uh, customer research methodology and how to implement that like cross departments as well because i'm sure you're not siloed like working on this how do you get for example like the email team on board the paid ads like everyone in the company where does this start yeah okay that's a great question <laughs> yeah um so a couple things so like to, to take it to the fifty thousand foot view um there are a lot of myths and assumptions about how we behave as like data-driven like marketers, right? So like um, our philosophy is we have to get a 360 view. Um, a lot of CRO teams or marketing teams or you know different product teams are, they have different focuses, right? And each of those has different customer data points, even the sales team, right? Even the customer um, success or customer service team. So we're trying to collate different data points from different vantage points to better understand like the customer. So we're circling it like 360. We have to have different inputs from different sources, different research methods, and somebody has to be responsible for owning that. Yeah. Um, that can be different in different businesses, right? Um, typically what I see is like the CMO is the hub of that. It's mm -hmm. coordinating across teams. Um, so really when it comes down to research, you can do ad hoc research. You can pull analytics data and understand abandonment on a site and how that ties to um, your email campaigns of cart abandonment. 
you can tie it to, you know, bounce rate is high. So we need to focus on the copy and the imagery above the fold. Like those are ad hoc research methods, but each of those research methods is not going to give you the full picture. So what we're trying to do is tie together the quantitative and the qualitative research, um, any customer data points that exist across teams and get a clearer picture of that. And that's iterative. You can't just get that done in a week, right? <laughs> so it's, it's a process. Um, it's a comprehensive process that has to be iterated on over time um, to make sure you're continuing to like get that better picture. Got it. Do you think that is a reason why um, I've seen some people like maybe get disillusioned with CRO programs because they are not able to iterate that fast or like they don't understand the process of how long it takes to set one up and scale one efficiently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's possible within, I mean, this is our whole thing that we do, right? In, in 90 days, you can take, if we're looking at levels of maturity, which like I said, we do these CRO maturity assessments and there's five levels. The first level is you're randomly throwing stuff at the wall, testing, then you're data-driven testing, then you're elevating it up to like customer journey mapping. Then it's basically like omni-channel consistency across. Um, so what we're trying to do is get them from like nothing to that level three or level four in as fast of a time frame as possible. So like in as little as 90 days or as little as like six months, you can make massive progress on that as a business, but you have to put the right processes in place, right? So like um, the problem with CRO is like anything else. If you're going to put, you know, budget towards a specific channel that you're testing, you, you don't have a year to see if it works, right? Like we need to see ROI quickly. So yes. there's two aspects. There's two aspects of this. It's like one is building momentum, getting tests live, getting some customer insights, showing the value of it in the short term. And simultaneously, there's the long-term aspects, which are, are we building the foundation? Are we putting the right people in place? Are we focusing on improving the processes? So both of those things have to happen at the same time, but it has to be built to fit the needs of that particular team. Some teams can move faster. Some teams are larger. Some teams have like more skills, you know? So each program is fully customized based on like the inputs and outputs of like what a team can manage. Got it. Let me um, go a little bit deeper into qualitative research methods, which I don't think, sorry, I see like a lot of people talking about how to leverage them and be more customer centric these days. but. How would you recommend, let's say, for example, like a fast-moving consumer good brand, they have no insights into the customers, maybe they just sell cosmetics. Like, where do you start with qualitative research that is meaningful and allows you to actually iterate and create tests on that if you've collected nothing about your customers? What would be a good starting point? Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's, this is like one of the, this is one of the biggest roadblocks is we have, as marketers, we have a massive amount of quantitative data from channels, yeah. on GA, et cetera. Um, so most marketers are like really awesome at the quantitative part, but they're totally missing the qualitative part. So yeah. like my approach is how do we simplify this enough to the point where we can make progress on it? Okay. So like our customer journey map is not 58 different points and we don't use fancy software and we're not spending tons of money. It's like, what is the you know, most affordable, easiest thing to take action on where we can get insights that can be tested. So like the touch points, we look at touch points of like, there's four touch points. There's the landing page experience. There's the onsite experience. 
there's the conversion experience, and then there's the customer experience. So we can pull insights from each of those buckets. If you only did, if you only got insights, like one insight from each of those, then it's going to dramatically change the way you market. So, you know, from an on-site perspective, uh, exit intent pulling, somebody's leaving the site, we're pulling them, we're asking, what if anything prevented you from doing X today, right? So if that's like adding a cart, purchasing a product, et cetera, et cetera, um, that, that's really valuable because we get some insight into their frame of mind when they're abandoning. Now we have to take those insights with a grain of salt, right? They're like, uh, they're people that are like articulating what they think are the problems, right? But at least we have some kind of insights, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect, but we're moving towards getting those insights. Yeah. Um, the same thing for like the landing page experience. If you have landing pages or if you're putting people on like um, collections pages or PDPs, um, it's, you know, we can pop an entry poll and it's, what are you trying to accomplish today? That's like one phrasing that we use, right? So then we can get some insight into like their motivation and intent, right? So we're just piecing together. Like that's really simple. Like those are things that could be done, set up in 10 minutes, collect data for a couple of weeks. Um, and then you can analyze it in a couple hours. And now you have insights that can be packaged and shared across teams. You also, with any one of those research methods, might come up with like 7, 10, 15 different test ideas. So that's a part of this too, is like research is a half of CRO and testing is the other half. Most people don't see it like that. They think it's all about the testing. Um, and whatever insights we can get to build our backlog of tests um, and to help us with like prioritizing, help us get tests moving forward, like that's really what needs to be done. Like your own... In like the results you're going to get are only as good as you using the tools. So that's why I like yeah. simplify, simplify, simplify. Yeah. So you mentioned the, the X to 10 polls. So is there any other places that you would, I don't want to use the term quick win, but let's say you go into like an e-commerce business for the first time, like the X to 10 polls, where else would you start to strategically collect this data? Yeah. I mean, it's, existing customers is also a great thing. Um, if yeah. somebody's already purchased from you, they're much more likely to be mm -hmm. open to giving customer feedback, right? Um, so that can be a source of it as well. Um, I mean, we it, it doesn't just have to be polling and surveying though. We do chat transcript analysis where we're seeing what are the recurring issues that are basically preventing people from moving forward. So like, it, it, it's not 50 things, it's like a handful of things. Um, yeah. So if you get the same questions, the same product question, the same objections, like you're going to see the patterns if you dig into that. And then you can pull that out and go, okay, how do we answer this objection on site? So they don't yeah. have to use chat, so they don't get stuck, so they don't abandon, right? So um, again, we're piecing that together. So like review mining, what are the positive and negative attributes uh, around the product or, you know, the business or the experience? So you can rip through, you know, a hundred reviews and be like, okay, what is it that's bothering people and what yeah. is it people like? And now we have two different approaches to testing copy, right? So um, again, it's just about getting those insights in whatever way the team has the ability to do essentially yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then making it not overcomplicating it. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like speed is obviously a very important factor. And, and I suppose that builds momentum with program as well and keeps people on board, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speed is speed is everything. Speed of execution is if we're going to talk about the main thing that kills CRO programs, it's being able to get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what it really comes down to. Um, 
and it's complex. So the simpler and the more streamlined you can make it, the easier it is for people to execute. And then your results are going to dramatically improve. I like what you said as well about when you can speak to the existing customers, it doesn't have to all be focused around the existing or sorry, the incoming on-site traffic. Like you can, yeah, yeah. And this applies to like what we do as well. We can email customers and ask them to complete the survey. And I don't know why more brand agencies, sorry, don't do this. When they take over a brand, you should definitely be finding out about those customers' pain points and why they bought the product and what their experience was like in order to market to them more effectively. And just to touch on that as well, you, you know, you talked about the, the X and 10 polls. Is there any preference towards closed or open-ended questions? I know both are probably like valuable, but um, yeah. go on. Sorry, that's that's a great question. So we we are only using open-ended question formats because what matters to how users or customers are articulating like their specific issue or the thing that got them back or what you know whatever it is. Um, so we're doing that on purpose because we want the samples, like the voice of customer yeah. samples, are the thing that that are really really valuable. It gives you context. Like if we artificially give somebody four options, they're going to pick one. And that's dangerous from a research perspective, because now we have insights that we believe are true, that we're acting on, that we're building strategy on, and it's flawed data, right? So like to the best of our ability, we, you know, we stick to how do we get insights that are, you know, valuable um, and, and, you know, realistic of like what's really happening. So um, yeah, that's, that's a really important point. Also like one, one of my favorite, you know, copy hacks is we can pull we literally will pull copy directly from those voice of customer samples. So whether that's like, here's our question, applying that to an FAQ section. Here's our, here's what I love most about the product. That's now copy in the you know, product description. Um, so there's different ways you can like tie those parts together that uh, are pretty powerful because the way a customer speaks is different than the way a marketer speaks. And yeah. like, you connect with people a lot just by like tapping into that. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think it's an issue as well? Like you said, if you do present someone with a list of options that they're just going to pick one, even though it's not applicable to them, do, the, do you see <laughs> frequently with the closed end of questions that the customer just uh, maybe not use the term lie, but they just pick for the sake of it and it's not accurate data? Yeah, that's what we want to avoid. So, I mean, there's things that you can do as well, right? Like if um, like NPS score is obviously not an open you know, question format, but it's super valuable, right? Like, especially yeah. for e-com businesses and getting that touch point pre and post purchase is like really, really valuable. Um, so there's different, it, there's different research methods. Like we're tying the research method to the business problem that we have. What are we trying to solve for as a business problem? Like what are the conversion roadblocks? Um, that's a part of it. It's also just what teams want to learn about customers because every team is going to, you know, when you work across so many different businesses, you're like, this team wants to know X, Y, and Z. This team wants to know A, B, and C. That just happens to be their preference for what they think is more interesting and like actionable, right? So yeah. um, there's always whatever the business problem is, whatever the, you know, customer information we want to get at, there's some way to get at that. There's some research method out of dozens and dozens and dozens of them that'll like help get the team the answer that they want. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Interesting because uh, I must admit we've used a lot of closed ended questions because especially from like an email point of view, it's just easier to segment and then use them. But I have noticed as you said, the quality of the responses are like there's nowhere near the, the same as the open ended questions. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, one, yeah, if we're tying this to email, um, we've done a lot of interesting testing with like capturing data on site so we can, uh, you know, personalize campaigns. Um, so I think that's a great, that's like a different use case though. That's like less a research method and more like a line of testing. Yeah. So like, you know, customer personas or product type or like, you know, there's a million different ways you could like segment, like to personalize email campaigns. So you have to go through some iterations to find out, you know, what, what works and like tie the data together between the on-site experience and the email. And those things work really well. Yeah. It's gonna drive way better results. <laughs> yeah. First comment just came through. Thank you very much for that one, Brian. Um, okay, so yeah, we've talked about obviously some of the fundamentals, what makes a successful CRO program. And I'm guessing what makes them successful will also be the reason some fail. So why do some programs fail and how can we avoid this? Yeah. So let's define what program failure is. Program failure is um, you, you launch CRO as a new, typically for like most e-com businesses, it's going to be like, this is a new thing we're doing. We don't have an established, dedicated, multi multiple person team, right? So like we're talking about failure from the perspective of we're launching something from scratch. We're trying to get that ROI positive as quickly as we can. Um, the failure is CRO doesn't work or CRO doesn't work for us, like our business or our team, and then they stop investing resources in it. So that's that's the biggest thing that I see is like, we tried it, it didn't work, but if yeah. you try something and you do it poorly, it's not a real <laughs> like good assessment of the thing itself. It's, uh, it's just issues that you had with your implementation, right? So um, the most important issues are, there's certain roadblocks that are recurring. So like what we want to do is circumvent the roadblocks. The roadblocks are, we don't know how to test. That's like a lack of understanding of testing methodology, um, statistical analysis, like mapping KPIs to like your business objectives, like missing on those things is going to cause problems, right? Because um, it either skews the data or you're not going to be tying results to what you really need to make happen. Um, a second thing is not knowing what to test. This is the biggest one. So the default for teams when they don't know what to test is to brainstorm things in a meeting. It's to copy competitors. It's to copy industry leaders. It's to go and find, here's the 17 things you should be testing on your site right now that's a blog post. <laughs> There's only certain things they default to. And the problem with those are, um, it's twofold. One is there are no universal winning tests. There's no universal truth. There's no things that are best practices that work for every single site. It just doesn't exist. We've run thousands and thousands of experiments. We've tested the exact same things across 17 different e-com businesses and the results are all over the map. So yeah. the problem is best practices don't work. The reason yeah. they don't work is there's too many variables. There's hundreds yeah. of variables that exist, right? You can't, you can't account for all of that. So what's more important than taking that approach is we have to find out what's wrong with our business, our product, our marketing, and that's going to be unique for every business. So that, that kind of reinforces that idea of, you know, we have to have research about what's happening within our particular business and site and marketing to be able to fix those things that are wrong, that are preventing people from converting. Like that's the approach. So that's one of the biggest things. Um, a third bucket, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's literally dozens of these, but I'm, I'm trying to lay out <laughs> some of the yeah. biggest ones. So um, when it comes to testing, like the, the not knowing what to test part, you know, 
if you have a huge backlog of tests, if we have a hundred options to choose from, that lends itself to testing velocity. It also like eliminates some of the confusion. Um, it helps you always have options. Let's say we get stuck on test one and we're like, okay, there's a technical issue and this is gonna take an extra week. We can swap in test two because we have more options, right? Like we can be agile, we can continue to push tests forward. We can keep the testing velocity up, but you can only do that when you have like a huge backlog of tests, right? So the reason, another reason we're conducting research is we want tons of options that we can choose from to make yep. sure that we're not slowing things down. And like, it seems really intuitive, right? It seems like, okay, this, this is all common sense stuff, but it's the same mistakes that are recurring across businesses, you know? So like they need to be solved for. Got it. Yeah, really interesting insights. Something's just popped into my head actually, whilst you're running a lot of these tests, how much of an impact does the quality of the traffic or fluctuations of traffic sources, whether it's from you know paid media, organic, have on the tests? And is there a danger that that can skew the results and give you um, you know, premature conclusions maybe, or what might be inaccurate because there's different like traffic sources coming from all over the place? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over the the nerdy wonky stats part of this because everybody hates hearing that. <laughs> I've tried that at conferences with marketers and stuff like that. They hate it, like their eyes roll in the back of their head. So um, let's just stick with the strategy part of this. So the strategy part is what is the overarching strategy of what we're trying to accomplish with CRO? If you don't have a sophisticated CRO program, you're likely optimizing globally. So you know, different traffic, whether, you know, traffic is coming from direct, paid, search, um, social, you know, like email, there's like fundamental issues that everyone is struggling with, like users and customers are struggling with on the site. And we have to solve those before we start getting fancier, right? So like, yeah. if you start day one with test one, just to like really over explain this, um, and we're only testing against organic traffic to a blog, it's like, is that really gonna maximize the impact we have short-term with our CRO? Like probably not, right? So like we wanna focus on, you know, optimizing globally, solving the structural problems, the major problems. And then as you progress, as you get wins with your CRO, as you like show the ROI, then you can like level up the sophistication to, okay, now we can segment. Um, now we can segment by device type or channel, or, you know, that strategy is going to be a little bit different for every business, but um, starting there doesn't make sense because then you're optimizing like one segment when yeah. everyone's struggling, you know? So yeah. that's another kind of issue that I see a lot. Makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's move on to something that we've had a little bit of back and forth on. And it seems to be a bit of a topic at the moment as well. Why is discounting the most common strategy used by marketers to try to influence sales? Man, all right. What's wrong with using it as well? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how controversial and how tactful you want me to be with this. So, um, I mean, discount... <laughs> <laughs> so discounting is easy. It's easy to get short-term quick wins. Like we need extra revenue to meet our monthly goals. We need our numbers to look better short-term, but you know, you're sacrificing your long-term growth for your short-term gain, which is a real problem. So if we're playing the long game of, we want to attempt to expand business over the next three to five years. And you're thinking in terms of that, then training customers to be reliant on discounts is a bad idea. 
because that shift happens in the mind of the customers. We're literally, and I use this term intentionally, we're training our customers to be discount sensitive, to we're, we're attracting people who are price sensitive. Um, we're training customers to like own, to wait to make purchases until that next coupon code drops, right? And that has a lot, that has a halo effect of negative things in your business. Um, that we won't, I mean, that could be a two hour discussion in and of itself, <laughs> but um, yeah, discounting is easy. Um, it's also, if we think about all of the things that you could test, let's say you can run a hundred different tests on an e-com site. Um, and there's infinitely more than that, but if we're going to whittle it down to a hundred discounting is one strategy yeah. out of, you know, and there's 99 other things you can test. Right. So like, it's not thought of like a toolbox. Like you have to think about it as a tool. This is one tool and we're bludgeoning them over the head with the one tool instead of using like rotating through different tools. So instead of discounting, yeah. which is going to kill your margins and cause bad kind of repercussive effects with your customers, like focus on optimizing almost anything else because there's a lot of ways to like find improvements in conversion rate. That's just one. And it's the least profitable one. Long yeah. I think I think you've summarized it quite nicely. Um, <laughs> I, think I think about this a lot, and I talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, for, for us as well. Um, one thing we notice on the email side is actually the frequency of the, the discounts that go up. Yeah. Initially, there's like a short-term spike, but there's actually like a massive reduction, not just in sale and um, profitability, sorry, but also engagements on the email platform as well. So yeah. I think the customers just become completely desensitized to it. And once they know something is permanently on offer, they don't need to read emails because they know everything is the same thing over and over again. So I think what you were saying about conditioning bad behavior um, is absolutely true. We've seen that like so many times, which I just hate because it's very hard to then like, you know, salvage yeah. that and then start to set a different tone retrospectively. Yeah, and I think like we've had some discussions on this around email, like what are you, what are you trying to accomplish with it, right? So like uh, email from my perspective, you know, whether I'm right or wrong about it is um, it's a tool, right? Like we're educating customers, we're like answering questions, we're increasing perceived value. Um, you know, there's so many different like use cases for what you can use it for, like just dropping coupon codes, like on X interval of days, like, it, it's just not the best thing you can do because again, it's only solving one problem. What if the conversion roadblock is not the price? Yeah. What if it's lack of understanding the product? What if it's um, not understanding like the shipping and return terms? What if it's, I mean, you can list out 50 different things, right? So, yeah. you know, we're not like, if you're just solving for price, that's only going to target a, a small percentage of people, right? Where if you're targeting, here's a wide range of issues that we have to solve for to get people to buy, um, you know, that's a better approach. And you're also going to get that feedback, right? Instead of just discounting, you're getting feedback from what campaigns are going are getting like interaction engagement, causing uh, an increase in purchases. That's another data point that we can tie across the customer journey, right? So like we have to be getting you know, we're talking about the 360 understanding of customers, right? You have to be getting those different data points. And you have to be testing across the different strategies. So we actually know what works and what doesn't work instead of just relying on discounts. Completely agree. And I think ultimately, like you said, probably because it's the easiest one to do and it produces short-term results. It makes people lazy and complacent. And yeah, enough said on discounts. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
Cool. And um, Jeremy, I know you're short on time, so I'm going to let you shoot off now. But how can people contact you if they want to find out more and learn about your work? Yeah, I mean, they should just like, you know, they can like follow or connect on LinkedIn. Like I post every single day um, about all of these things. These are all like posts that I'm pushing out. Um, I also answer questions and, um, you know, people ping me with questions all the time, which is how do I get into CRO or I, we have this specific business problem or, you know, different things. And I, I really am passionate about helping people in the industry. So like that's that's something I allocate time to for sure. So. Love it. Great stuff. Yeah, definitely give Jeremy a follow. I'm going to tag you in this. So if anyone has any further questions, feel free to drop them in the comments. And yeah, we'll speak soon. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it.